0: After I trans moved it to Vite, it now takes 1.5 seconds to start up. Wow! So yeah, so that's like 20 times faster. Hi, welcome to JavaScript
1: Jam. I am Ishan Nand, the CTO at Layer Zero.
2: And I'm Mark Mercado, the VP of Engineering at Layer Zero.
1: And today our guest is someone who truly need, needs no introduction. Uh, it's Evan Yu, the creator of the famous Vue Framework. Uh, Evan, Hello. On. And yeah. welcome to JavaScript to now. So, you know, I, I actually, most people know you as the creator of, of UJS, and we'll talk a little bit about that later. But mm-hmm. I really want to focus on your new project, and that's Vite. Um, mm-hmm. So why don't we start there first um, and sure. give us a, you know, explain to folks what Vite is, and uh, mm-hmm. it'd be great to get a demo as well.
0: Sure. Um, so V is a, a build tool, right? Um, essentially, it's also an attempt to sort of think about think about how we can just make make building web applications with build tools just a bit easier and faster. Well, that's the that's the main thing, right? Because um, you know, over time we've gotten used to using. Bundlers like Webpack, mm-hmm. Webpack is probably the biggest one, but as wow. we all have experienced, you know, when you have a lot of files, when you, when your project gets, gets more complex, uh, you have to wait for builds. Uh, sometimes it gets kind of slow. Also, uh, Webpack isn't the easiest thing to configure it for, uh, especially for beginners. Uh, so we have a lot of these meta frameworks. We had to build Vue CLI on top of Webpack just to, you know, Uh, Hide away all the complexity behind the configurations. So, but Veed is essentially saying, okay, uh, over time, you know, a lot of things, we just do it the same way across frameworks. A lot of the conventions like importing CSS or uh, how we expect certain things to work. Uh, So why don't we just, um, you know, uh, reset it and uh, start with something simpler, leaner, faster. Uh, also, there is also this um, opportunity where um, the browsers today are supporting native ES modules. Uh, there are also a lot of tools, new tools that's coming up that's targeting JavaScript, but not written in JavaScript. For example, uh, ES Build and SWC. Uh, so one is written in Go, one is written in Rust, but they both compile JavaScript, but they're like bounds and leaps faster than uh, than JavaScript written tools. So, um, but but at the same time, you know, just directly using them is still kind of challenging to build a real application, just because all the things JavaScript developers are already used to. You want plugins, you want uh, to be able to compile, uh, have a dev server, hot module replacement, and all that stuff. So Vita is essentially, you know, combining ES Build with the ES native ES module based dev server. Put these two together. Uh, And then with a lot of uh, experience and opinionated configuration that we, you know, pre-configure it for you. So uh, you don't need to do too much to get started. Yeah. So I think it would be cool to just uh, quickly uh, jump into a demo to, to show what it is because it's kind of abstract, right? I always struggle just explaining what it really is, but I think a demo would probably be easier. So let me share my screen here. Uh, Can everyone see it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay so i'm i'm just in a fresh um in, in a fresh directory uh so i'm going to just quickly so it's empty here okay so i'm just going to say yarn add uh, the vite. and as you can see it's fast uh i like i, I have it locally cached, but like this is a real install over the network and it took like what two seconds i mean wow. i'm on a Not Mac, but it's uh, it's still pretty fast, right? So um, once you have installed uh, what you want to do, let me give myself a bit more space for the editor. So pretty standard stuff. So I'm going to just say index.html, and uh, maybe h1 hello feet. Uh, Add some scripts. Actually, this step is sort of optional, but you know, uh, a lot of people like to. So, right. So um, at this step, don't think of it as build tool yet. Just think of it as a simple HTTP server. So I'm going to say, uh, um, and the browser is here. Okay. So that's hello vite. Um, maybe let's put it over here. So at this point, it doesn't do much yet, but uh, you already get updates just by uh, adding the HTML, it just reloads, right? This is literally like a st- uh, static file server. So when you say um, main.js, say hello, hi. Um, and I'm going to just main.js, right? This is literally how you develop, a, you know, uh, na- this is all native JavaScript, like this would work in, with over any simple file server, right? Now uh, the interesting part happens when you start to do things like, rename this file to TS. Mm. Uh, and you can just do this and it still works. right? So TypeScript uh, just worked. Um, and then you can also say, uh, style.css, um, h1 color red. I guess so. You, you can obviously do the do it the uh, the old school way. Use the link. So style.css um, and becomes red. Let's mm. get rid of this alert because it's annoying. But um, now here the cool part is if you say green. Notice the page actually didn't reload. So CSS is actually hot updated. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And it works over this, right? So, But we can also remove this and instead I'm gonna say import style.css. And also just works, right? Again, if I update this, hot update, no reload. So um, a lot of developers are, are used to this, right? When you have a module system, when you have a build tool, but we're kind of used to have to build everything have something process it to be able to get this kind of behavior but here everything is just working over uh yes modules um and some custom you know client update code handling the styles right so now um so now if you're you were to build a real application i think this is interesting because for say most react developers uh, or any, anyone who's used um, NPM, we're kind of used to seeing code like import React from React, right? Um, which obviously wouldn't work. Um, I'm going to say, so it's going to tell you fail to resolve import React. Does the file even exist? Uh, if you're using a native HTTP file server, you're probably going to see something like React is not a valid import specifier. Because native ESM requires all the paths to be relative, so it does not know how to actually handle this this bare import specifier. But Vite actually knows how to do it. So what I'm going to do here is let me open a new tab. I'm going to say yarn add react react-dom. Um, um, okay. So now. If I reload the page. And we get react right and uh, interestingly, um, interestingly, because um, we know react doesn't actually ship native ES modules. react this files are actually common JS but um, So theoretically, you shouldn't be able to use named imports off of it, but uh, We can actually do that here because uh, V does have some that Interrupt so that a CommonJS oh, wow. module is actually wrapped into native ESM, so you can use named imports off of it. Um, so b- this is also something we're kind of used to, but it's a of You know, it's a pain. The um, it's a it's very painful if you were to handle this yourself to get all the CommonJS interrupt working. Okay. Uh, so let's say let's see. Um, so I'm not an actual React developer. So I might be, you know, making some weird mistakes here. But if you rename the file to TSX, we should be able to say import render from React DOM. So, re- um, uh, okay, <laughs> bear with me here. So I say uh, app um return div high render app document.getm by the app so this should not work because we don't actually have a div here okay so functions are not valid as a react child oh of course uh it should be this (laughs) all right Cool. React is not a fine. Okay. Uh, yeah, JSX legit... requires that. Yeah, right. Okay, cool. All right, so we got a hi here. So hi react, right? I so... love that
1: you chose to use demo in React because it really underscores like, this is not a React thing. This is about
0: your- Yeah, yeah, right? Um, yeah. It's not a React thing. It's not a Vue thing. It's, a, it's framework agnostic. Uh, yeah. TSS just works here because ESBuild already handles this for us. So it kind of comes for free. But uh, by default, you don't get hot module replacement with this kind of setup, right? Um, but but the the purpose of, of demoing demoing like this is notice that we didn't actually write a single line of configuration to get all this working. It literally works like a simple file server, uh, and and you get to actually already get pretty far by um, by having CSS being importable, having TSX working out of the box. Um, how deep does that go?
2: Like, if I wanted to start importing SVGs as React components, does it do like the yeah? SVGR then you have thing? to
0: configure it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to use plugins for that because uh, different people might have different opinions on how you want to handle SVG files. Yeah. Right. Um, but uh, there are some other things that uh, that's uh, that comes for free. For example, if you have an asset, you can uh, import URL from say test.png, right? Mm-hmm. Um, So this becomes part of the asset graph, which will be uh, included in the final build static assets. And you get, this URL will be the final resolve URL, a public path that you can use uh, to embed into a markup. Mm -hmm. Um, This comes for free. And then there's, um, you can say import text from some foo.txt, like with a curve parameter raw, you can just import the, in, import the file as plain text and get it here. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are all built in, um, but on top of that, you probably want to um, you probably want to do something more advanced like um, hot module replacement or how do you support view, right? Uh, then you need to write use plugins. So um, just create a vite config. Dot JS. You can even use TS. Um, so you can say import-define-config from Vite, export-default-define-config. So this gives you full TypeScript-based uh, auto-completion IntelliSense documentation like Resolve Git tells you what is in there, Right inline documentation tell you what you should use here. Uh, full type supported configuration files um, I can say plugins um, hmm. vjs plugging oh wait I I should install it first so I'm going to do that here so I'm saying yarn add vjs uh, plugin view and um plugging view and um Voila! So this should actually already give you view support. I think I need to res. Oh, okay. What does it say? Cannot find module. Oh yeah, because if you want to use view, I didn't install view packages themselves, obviously. So yarn add view and next. Yarn add um hmm, the uh, view compiler sfc. So if you use our scaffold like. This comes for free, right? Um, so if you want to start a fresh one, you can use the NPM. So NPM init at VJS app, mm-hmm. which will give you guided guidance on what you want to scaffold. Like we have um, actually, you know, like just demo here. We have vanilla view react react. So once you pick one, you can also check if you want to TypeScript or JavaScript. So I'm not going to do that here, uh, but you can try this yourself because you already have a project here, I want to you know, demonstrate how it's actually not that difficult to actually scaffold it from uh, from from zero yourself. So um, So I should have, you know, I can actually have you and React working in the same project, and it's still kind of clean, right? You don't oh wait, there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of extra stuff here. So um, let's see. If I restart the thing now, where is my, wait, why do I have my 3001 running? Oh, I think it's because my, uh, I accidentally started it in my VS code. I don't even know how to stop it. So, uh, There's a great hey, what am module I doing? for that. What am I even doing here? This is the, actually the first time I actually accidentally triggered that behavior in VS code. Maybe it's something new,
2: but- You could uh, npm global install kill dash port
0: and then just kill port 3000. It's the greatest okay. thing. <laughs> Whoops. So I'm just going to put this here. So I'm in here. Uh, let's see. Okay. So scratch all that. Um, actually, let's keep this. I'm going to just start a different file, which is um, which is going to be our view entry. So I'm going to say import, create app from view. Um, create app. Let's just you make it empty for now because um, we don't have anything yet. And then I'm going to create a view file. Uh, hello. View. All right. And why is this thing here? How can I get rid of it?
1: It's like a debugging mode.
0: Yeah, I don't. How do I exit this? <laughs> um, this? this. No, it's so weird. Anyway, uh, yeah, I no, think it I might be the remember. button all the way to
2: the right on here, that like disconnect button. I think that's like connected to a, a node, mm-hmm. uh, debugger.
0: I believe this should give us something. Yeah, so the view file is working. And because it's a view file, it comes with hot module replacement out of the box. And as you can see, the the only thing I had to do is just the, the view plugin and use it and you get view file support. Um, so, same thing for React hot Module replacement. A single plugin, and you essentially get most of what you need. Um, obviously, people want to write their own plugins, and the good news is, uh, V's plugin system is actually Rollup compatible. Um, so, if you want, to, if you want, if you already know how to use write Rollup plugins, then you already know how to write V plugins. Uh, they are uh, V plugin is a superset. It extends Rollup plugin interface with a few V specific things. Uh, like you can transform HTML, the served HTML. You can um, do custom hot module replacement handling, but you know, most users don't really need to deal with that themselves. Um, so uh, you got something working with, um, with great development experience, right? And it's, uh, it's pretty, it's, it's very, very fast in the sense that um, if I restart the server um so i can start it in literally 100 milliseconds i can also um so notice here it actually pre-bundled view uh because so if you look at the network request it's also it also makes things a lot easier to debug because um the files are actually served at uh, over mm-hmm. the network, right? So you can actually use the network tab to see the transpiled output. It's not a big unreadable Giant bundle.
1: bundle yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: right. So even like even a view file, right? View file actually goes through some pretty complex compilation, but here you can actually see the compiled code um, for each individual one. Um, which I think is pretty cool. So this one, so this is a dependency. As you can see this dependency, um, so Vue internally actually has a bunch of small modules. It imports one some dependencies, but Vite has pre-bundled the whole Vue dependency tree into a single file so that it's faster to serve over native VS modules because um, the overhead here is actually the number of requests. So mm-hmm. we do the pre-bundling here. Um, the pre bundling also is extremely fast because it's done with ES build, so um, I don't know, I can't think of something to, I don't know if I have something I can show here, but the the, the, the common experience is, for example, you are using a, a huge library like the React material design, or um, especially it projects that ships their source code in, in native VS modules in many small files. Um, it, it will take a very long time for any bundler to to actually bundle all the dependencies so that you can actually serve it in, inside here, mm-hmm. but for V it's uh, it's a piece of cake because um, because it it's bundled using esbuild uh, it's pre-bundled using yes build. so uh, typically you some numbers here is um, I got a project that took 28 seconds to start up um, with Rollup which is already a bit faster than, than Webpack. Mm-hmm. And after I trans moved it to Vite, it now takes 1.5 seconds to start up. Wow. So yeah, so that's like 20 times faster um, because most of the work is actually done when you're processing the dependencies. So this is a philosophy here because Vite, um, in our projects, right? We have two types of code. One part is the source code. You can see these are the source code that I am writing, so these source code will change very often, and I also want to see them updates reflect instantly in the browser without having to reload the page. Sure. But uh, but my dependencies, I probably install them once, then I forget about them, and they don't they don't really change. They sometimes you may need to manually edit them, but that's like extremely rare, right? Yep. So most of the times you install dependency, they probably stay the same for a month. Uh, So in that sense, what's the point of, you know, processing them over and over again? So here's the, here's what V is doing is uh, we are actually just uh, pre-processing all your dependencies. Each dependency gets pre-compiled into one file. We have some metadata stored here. So the dev server can actually leverage that to serve them as fast as possible. Um, And the metadata here has a hash. So basically, on um, subsequent server restarts, we notice if the your dependency hash based on your lock file, is the same, then we don't have to do anything to the dependency. We just use the the already cached ones, right? So that's there's one level of cache here, right? Mm-hmm. So we avoid rebundling them on subsequent startups. And then there is another level of uh, cache here. So if you look at this dependency header, as you can see, this is actually a very strong cache header here. It's using it's basically telling telling the browser to cache it forever uh, because it has this fingerprint here. Yep. Um, so on page reloads, as you can see, uh, I disable cache here, but if I uh, enable the cache and I reload here, you can see this dependency is actually read right from this cache. So on page reloads, you're not paying the network cost again for any dependencies in your project. Only your source code, also your source code actually has um, As you can see, they are actually getting. uh, So this main TS here, the response is actually 304 because Mm -hmm. the server knows you haven't edited it since the last refresh. So what's the point of serving it again, right? So we're actually just use you know this these are just native ES modules, native requests. We're using HTTP headers to make sure your page reload, like even on hard reload, your page is still you know reloads fast. Right, so a lot of these little details combined makes the whole development experience, uh, you know, very, very snappy, very fast. Um, and uh, and this is something you kind of have to experience yourself, right? Um, the common thing that we've heard on Twitter from a lot of people moving their existing projects over to Vite is like, oh my God, the, the dev server just starts like 10 times faster now, uh, right? And we believe, you know, when you have something that's so much faster, it creates a very fundamental different sort of experience when you work on something. Because like if I have to wait for 20 seconds for DevServer to start whenever I work on this thing, I'm going to be very reluctant to even think about it. Yeah. Yeah. But having V available is especially like for me, right? Because I have to debug a lot of reproductions. People send me like bug repros. Um, with Vue single file components, like previously, i like every time I see someone send me a full Vue CLI reproduction, I'm like, oh no, <laughs> like install, install all the node modules, wait for Webpack to compile everything. It's usually oh, like yeah. a yeah. minute or two before I can actually see the thing running. But with Vue, yeah. it's like, you know, uh, it, it's so it's so fast. Like I get everything up and running in like a few seconds. So it's a it's a very different different thing. Um, When you have that fundamentally faster, more snappy experience, right?
1: Um, It's so fast it changes what would be a difference of degree to a difference of kind. It's just so so like it's a subconscious friction that you kind of just learn to live with in development, and you you. You, you don't pause and think, oh, why is it this way? Like the analogy I, I like using for this kind of subconscious friction is actually,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, the iPhone cable, you know, you used to have to orient it a certain way to plug it in. And then mm-hmm. you know, they, they said, you know, why do you have to do that? Like, you shouldn't have to think about it. You should just go in. It's like, you didn't realize, oh, all those yeah. thousand times I've been plugging that in, actually there's friction there I didn't even think about. Um, you know what's
2: worse is like, I find myself interleaving tasks to try to just oh, make the yeah. most of my time because, like, if I know I'm waiting yeah. for a Webpack production build, it's like, well, what can I get done in thirty seconds? <laughs> it's, it's not a good way to go about life. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's uh, that's kind of the the gist about Vite. Um We are. Oh yeah. So one more thing you can uh, you kind of get for free is um, so the development experience starts like just a simple file server, but the moment you want to send it to production. I'm going just to say uh, feed build, uh, and the builds. And then I say feed preview. So this is what you would see in production. This is development. Um, and it's pretty seamless because we, we try to be opinionated. The reason for us to be opinionated is because we want to make sure like everything you get In development, uh, it should just work the same way in production, you shouldn't have to figure out like they shouldn't be separate processes where like, okay, I have a nice dev server. Now I need to figure out how to actually build this thing. right? We don't want you to have to go through that process. Uh, So if you get something working during dev, it will just work in build. So you just build it and you deploy it. Um, So that's one of the things like we want to make sure it covers both uh, instead of just focusing on the dev server part. Um mm-hmm. so that uh, you know that kind of forces us to be quite coupled to roll up in a sense. Uh like ideally we want to actually leverage ES build for build as well. But you know, it's it's just that at this very point of time, like people have asked me like why why roll up, why not just directly ES build, right? Uh, the the thing is with ES build, there are still something that's kind of in flux. Uh Rollup has been out there for a very long time. It it basically covers most of the application bundling concerns that you can think of. Um, Like asset fingerprinting, code splitting, and also the ability to actually uh, do some more advanced stuff. Like one of the things we do in Vite is uh, when you have code splitting, you may have quite a few different async files Mm -hmm. that's importing one another. And one of the performance killer when you have that is nested imports, like A imports B and B imports C. So essentially you have to to wait for two round trips, two network round trips before you can actually have the whole module graph resolved. So you want to eliminate these um, nested imports and Vite does that automatically for you by traversing the chunk graph at build time and make sure these nested imports actually fetched in parallel. We also handle CSS code splitting out of the box. So um, when you have CSS imported from an async chunk, that part of CSS automatically split into its own file and fetched in parallel with the JavaScript of that chunk. So a lot of this stuff you can't really easily do by just throwing a bunch of files into a um, default default build tool configuration, right? so be, you know, by being more opinionated about the whole thing, uh, we're able to give you a better, more performant default out of the box. So these are different kind of trade-offs, right? Because um, people, um, I guess w- this extends into when we compare this to uh, some similar tools like uh, Snowpack, because people often compare V with Snowpack, yeah. right? Um, Snowpack, uh, I think initially Snowpack was more like we, we want you to actually deploy unbundled. Uh, we don't actually handle the bundling part. Uh, so Snowpack Build actually transforms every file in isolation and then gives you a bit, a bunch of unbundled production files. But obviously, you know, it's very difficult to actually deploy that in a performant fashion. So you still have to, like today, you still have to actually bundle them. And when you bundle them, you have to use um, additional uh, optimizers. Right. So one of the upside of going unbundled first is you can use different end bundlers to handle those files. But the downside is um, you you can't afford to be as opinionated in, in certain areas mm-hmm. like Vita is. Right. So v, essentially, the trade off is because we stick with one single bundler, we're able to do something that's very, very specific, but get, get you the most performance possible.
1: Do you have examples of? Like you mentioned that uh, in development time, you know, you've got a 20x improvement um, yep. before and after. Is there examples you can you maybe have off the cuff that of sites that actually improved or projects that improved in their user
0: performance because of the, mm, the better that is kind of difficult because yeah. um, this kind of uh, optimization you have to have. You have to have very specific cases that actually have the, the pieces but so yeah. right now we don't really have real stories like that, because I mean it's it's early like people don't even actually Tell us they're using feet like we have to dig ourselves, but uh, I think some more context would probably be helpful. Um, let me find the part here. So this is a common situation where um, in, a, in a large application, you may have your entry, then you have two routes, right? Routes are yep. code split into async chunks and these two routes actually have a common dependency. So this is split into a shared chunk. Mm-hmm. This creates what we call a nested import because by default, when you navigate to this route, it have to first import this shared chunk. Yep. Which results in two network requests. Yep. Um, So what V does is at build time, we convert this dynamic import call to import A and C in parallel. And then, you know, so that um, when both are imported, then we resolve it, chunk A. So essentially, we're like moving this nested import ahead of time by analyzing this graph at build time.
1: Do you... uh... You have an ability to do that in like the link headers as well. So that, uh, how are you
0: signifying that? Um, so the the here's the thing, right? You, uh, in link headers, those are what we call preload direct uh, preload yeah. directives, right? Yeah. Uh, we generate those automatically, but if these are actually lazy, you know, when you code split, you're you meant to load them lazily. If you load everything up front, then you kind of defeat the purpose of it. Like especially on mobile. Um, you don't, if you have like 20 routes, you don't want to preload them all at once. It's going to like, you know. Yeah. So it's kind of a trade off. Like, depends on if you only have a few routes, you can actually say manually force all of them to be preloaded yep. up front. Uh, or you can use uh, observer, uh, intersection observer to load them, which is what we do in vPress. Um, but, you know, like, th- but this is the safest. Uh, default optimization should benefit mm-hmm. in benefit you in all cases.
1: Yeah. Uh, taking a step back, uh, has uh, ES you know module compatibility come up as a as a issue? Like, just maybe let the audience know. I think it's basically everything except. IEA,
0: yeah. Right. So yeah. So for um, for VEAT, in development, you need native ES modules, right? So vite yeah. is essentially positioned as to be. Modern first, which means, um, uh, which means we target browsers that support native ES modules, but as a baseline by default, mm-hmm. yeah. but we do have an official legacy plugin that allows you to actually target down to arbitrary browsers. <laughs> oh, okay. So the thing is, yeah, so we um, input pr- because we bundle for production, right? So we can actually target inject a uh, system JS the small system JS loader and mm-hmm. then use rollup to target, uh, to output system JS modules instead of native VS modules. So, which allows us to actually run on legacy browsers as well. Oh, that's great. So I... it's, yeah, it's actually possible. Yeah.
1: So, you know, stepping back, um, how did you get started? Like, you know, on building, mm-hmm. you know, another big, you know project outside of view, and decided to to start tackling this area was it frustration was it like what's kind of the the background here what kind of inspired you uh
0: yeah it's interesting i guess the um it has partly to do with the frustration because i so first of all i have to um i personally do a lot of bug reproductions right i'm gonna start sharing my screen yeah we
1: can stop that yeah
0: yeah um, also like, you know, whenever I want to start a small side project, um, I has really gotten to the point where it's, it's kind of become this mental deterrence, <laughs> like just mm-hmm. thinking about installing hundreds of megabytes of node modules just makes me reluctant to start a new project. Uh, and, and that, you know, the, the overall slowness just kind of chips away at you. Yeah. And, uh, so I ha- always have this personal itch of wanting to, it's also for the view users, right? Because just thinking that, oh, every view user starting a new VCI project has to actually wait for this long to, to get started. It's not a good feeling. So I've always kind of wanted to scratch that itch and find something lighter and faster, right? So I've considered just moving to Rollup in the past, uh, but Rollup doesn't really have a good dev server story. Um, And hot module replacement is kind of a really important thing if you have something large and you don't want to like reload the page on every update. Um, uh, So at one point, uh, we we do have a feature in Vue CLI called View. I can't even remember the name, but the idea is you start with very minimal set up uh, it's actually a global command where you just say view serve a file
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it just start instantly but it's still web app based um, so one one time i was thinking so i saw the native vs yes modules becoming available in chrome one day and i was like uh, wait a second if i have a dev server that http that's an http request so if that's an http request i can actually um, So so basically the idea was If the if the browser is sending an HTTP request asking for a view file, but I compile it on the server and send JavaScript back instead wouldn't that actually just like be compiling everything on the fly. So we don't even need a bundler anymore. Um, So that was the the initial idea that kind of clicked. So I start this uh, really early prototype called um, At view Dev server. It's actually archived now. Um, let's see if we can still find it. Um, yeah, it's here. So, uh, oh, I'm not sharing the screen, but, um, yeah, let's see. When was it actually started? Um, so this thing was like more than two years ago. So uh, the, the the idea came around in, in March 2019. Uh, I got a very basic proof of concept working, um, and then dropped it because I couldn't figure out hot module replacement back then, and also because I felt like you know native VS modules was still early and people mm-hmm. would not would kind of be reluctant to rely on on it as a as a requirement for development. So. Um, you know, but a year later, it became more widespread. And then I somehow had the, uh, I don't know. I just randomly came up with the idea. Oh, maybe we can do hot module replacement this way for native ES modules. Then I pulled an on got a, another proof of concept working. And that was the initial uh, kind of the prototype for Vite. Um, so that was the 0.x for Vite. So once you have that uh, proof of concept going, right um, it's kind of a very you know it's kind of that sort of creativity rush where um I, I just recently tweeted on Twitter saying like you know the first one zero to one percent is always very exciting, then the first fifty percent is very fun because you're like, oh my God, we can get this working too we can get that working yeah. too like this is coming together very nicely. And then uh, you reach a point where you're like all the fun stuff has been done and you, <laughs> you have to start like fixing all the edge cases.
1: Yep. Uh,
0: so it becomes a grind at a point. You know, there was a period of time when I when we were in the zero point X. Every day I'm pretty much just fixing bugs for all these crazy package compatibility issues because uh, the ecosystem. Uh, there are so many packages that, that are that are written. Assuming it's going to just work with Webpack, uh, and Webpack has just so much magic, like auto it auto populates Node builtings, It, you know, handles mixed CJS and ESM usage. A lot of things that you know, because the initial assumption is okay, Vite is going to be pure ESM, no CJS whatsoever. And quickly we realized, okay, that's probably not practical if we actually want to let people use this. Uh, just because the ecosystem is just, you know, there is there's just so much existing packages that people want to use, but they somehow have all these assumptions of, about how what a bundler should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so luckily a lot of the heavy lifting is now handled by ESBuild. So, uh, uh, so we, we had to do a lot less. I mean, but over the over the process, we kind <clears> of <throat> learned the lesson and it, it's really a grind getting the thing to even something that's usable, right? So um, now you can hear stories of people saying, okay, I just switched my VCI project to Vite in a few hours. I just switched my Create React app app to Vite in a few hours. That's all possible because we went through this whole process of just like, finding out all these edge cases and finding ways to, to work around them. Uh, so that kind of a, that kind of got wear on me for a bit. I think um I got it to a stage where I think it's like 1.0 RC. Then I just put it there because I want to drop it a little bit of back switch contacts back on work on view view for a bit. So I worked on View for a few months. Uh then I came back and look at Uh, I took another look at Vite. I was like, you know, uh, a lot of lessons learned and the initial architecture, we saw some shortcomings and we also kind of want to um, think about how the build story, like a plugin system that would allow you to, uh, I think, I guess the biggest drawback of the initial version of uh, 0.x Vite, Was that our dev server and the build process is very separated so we're not actually sharing the maximum amount of code possible right because most of the code transform is actually the same and they should be same they should be calling the same code when you're transforming the code say compiling the tsx or that but we're duplicating a lot of that so 2.0 was like a big refactor actually almost a complete rewrite um Making sure that uh, we can reuse, we can offer a nice plugging system, which is uh, partly inspired by WMR, uh, which is the also a ES module based dev server from the preact team. Mm. They came, they first. Um, in fact, there like there was even earlier there were projects. I think there was a project called Nolup that that has this idea of you know. So Nolup was basically trying to run Rollup in the browser. Uh, WMR came up with this idea of, okay, we don't necessarily want to emulate entire Rollup, but we can use Rollup's plugin interface to allow people to define their own plugins. So uh, V2 kind of built on that idea a bit further, and then we built a superset on top of that. Uh, We also use Rollup as the actual production bundler. So, So the end result, I think, is pretty, pretty pleasant. Um, Because like, personally, I enjoyed when I was writing roller plugins, I kind of liked how simple the interface is. Uh, It's really simple and straightforward. Uh, Whereas compared to my experience writing view loader for Webpack, it was pretty complicated. And it's Mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff is, I mean, it's not really well documented, you kind of have to Either read the source code and just look at other plugins, like how are they using it, then you kind of trial and error until it works. But uh, in comparison, the Rollic plugin interface is something you can read in a day and then you figure out how to use it. So, um, so the end result, I, I like it quite a bit. Uh, I think we've. Um, uh, it's something that kind of also is beneficial because a lot of people who've been previously using rollup feels right at home mm. uh, when they use V, right? Uh, some of the a lot of the plugins can even just you know rollup plugins can even just work as is directly as a V plugin. So we are essentially uh, sort of um, leveraging a bit of the existing ecosystem from rollup and kind of maybe, you can also think of Vite as a, um, as a companion to Rollup, where previously, if you use Rollup, you kind of have to figure out your own dev server solution, but now you can just use Vite.
2: So Evan, let me ask you, I want to ask about meta frameworks because I'm really jealous watching all this. Like I do most of my work in Next.js and Nuxt, mm-hmm. and I want this now, <laughs> especially <if> it's very timely <laughs> because today I was working on our support for SvelteKit and SvelteKit based on Vite. Like, how much, how familiar are you with SvelteKit? Is it a pretty standard use of Vite?
0: I think it is. Uh, I think SvelteKit... I mean, I personally don't, I haven't really used it, but previously it was Sapper, I think. Yeah. And uh, in a sense, it's also sort of next inspired, right? So it kind of solves, it's essentially next for Mm -hmm. Svelte. So, In essence, these server SSR meta framers kind of have similar needs in terms of what they do. That is, you still need the dev server, you still need, it's essentially an extension of the pure client side experience where you, but you also want to be able to have server side rendering. Um, So, I mean, I've also I, so I essentially designed the initial architecture for how to do view server side rendering when we first introduced server side rendering in Vue, which then evolved into. Uh, so Nux is basically built on top of that initial architecture and mm-hmm. that was based on Webpack and it involves like bundling your application twice essentially once for client and once for server yeah. and then on every file update you're actually rebundling the two bundles. Which can be kind of slow right. Um, so. When we are, so when I was working on v 2 I always had this hope that, you know, we can, in the future, we can have meta, a meta framework that's built on top of Vite. Um, but in order to do that, we need to solve the problem because of how do we run ES modules in Node.js for server side rendering, because all the source code, right? The, the dev server, the reason the dev server is fast because we're actually serving the code as actual ES modules, but how do you run them in Node.js? Uh, I mean, now Node.js has actually ES module support, but um, but there are a lot of tricky tricky things you need to handle, especially like when you can't assume the user actually always, you know, if they are using like Node 10, which don't actually have native ES modules, how do you get the server-side rendering working? Uh, so Rich Harris, who's author of Svelte and, you know, uh, he came up with this idea, I think they, their initial version of Svalkit was based on Snowpack, but none of these new dev servers actually handle server-side rendering back then. So Rich came up with the idea of doing a lightweight transform on the fly for ES, each ES module. So luckily because ES module syntax is so statically analyzable, it's very safe to transform. So you can actually transform ES module syntax into a kind of like creating your own Node.js module wrapper. Then we instantiate them. We are essentially constructing all your modules and instantiating them virtually in Node.js and which allows us to invalidate them individually, just like doing hot module replacement for the browser using similar logic. So v maintains already maintains a module graph for hot module replacement analysis so we basically essentially reuse that for the server side as well. So which gives us a pretty uh, efficient server side runtime uh, for ES modules. Um, so the initial idea of of course is uh, thanks to Rich for coming up with this. So they came up with that uh, when we, when they were trying to use Snowpack for SvelteKit, and then. Um, and then i implemented that in vite as well and rich saw that cuz i i essentially like basically i tweeted say okay we got this running thanks to rich's idea and rich saw that i think he probably saw that okay so uh, if we can do this and i mean i think the reason they eventually switched to vite is because um vite is a bit more opinionated in the as i mentioned in the, in the in the build part where um, we have SSR now, we have build, we have the dev service story. So if you want to build a meta framework, there's really no reason, not much reason for you to reinvent the wheel for, in these areas uh, if that already fits your bill. So I think that's why for spell they're essentially saying, okay, like we we will have to figure out the build story, but Veed already does it. So we can just leverage it instead of inventing our own wheels. Um, I guess, I think that's one of the reasons why they, you know essentially um, essentially it's kind of like where the where the scope of the of the thing is feat does is not uh, in itself a meta framework but it does quite a bit which makes it easier for you to build a meta framework on top of it yeah yeah
2: yeah so so rockets you know still under development so it has like no baggage <laughs> but you know yeah. more established frameworks like next and nux like how hard is it gonna be to, to switch those over to a modern tool chain or, or hopefully to beads?
0: Yeah, it depends on how coupled your the the core the framework core is coupled to the bundler they're using. Uh, I don't know about Next, but I it seems they are also working on some like they have experience performance improvements. So I don't know the details, but they just hired Tobias. So I think they're gonna <laughs> come up with something. Yeah. Um, in terms of Nuxt, so the cool thing is when they work, when they started working on Nuxt 3, I think they started with the assumption that it's probably have to be uh, builder agnostic uh, to some extent, because they don't, um, I think the, the initial design premise was that don't be too coupled to Webpack. So most of the core of Nuxt is designed to be bundler agnostic, um, which is why they were, uh, it's it's crazy because um, after I released V2, um, Next Team actually got a demo running Next Three on V, like very short, like in a few mm-hmm. days, uh, because the architecture. Um, they're coming. I think Next Three Next Three has a uh, has a lot of interesting stuff coming. Like um, I personally like don't even. Have a full comprehension of like all the stuff they're doing but they have some cool packages that like you know uh just being able to nicely extract nux core and then just like swap they have a version that can run on webpack they have a version that can run on Vite. um so i'm, I'm also kind of uh, pretty pretty uh looking forward to see like you know how it turns out to be but I know there are people who have currently running Nuxt projects being able to use the Veat module and actually get it running so like I'm not 100% clear on the technical details either but like the bottom line is I know like Nuxt can already run on Vite maybe not in the 100% efficient you know uh, way um, it leverages Vite to some extent it's probably not using Vite's server-side rendering runtime but you know, just for serving client-side modules, it's probably, uh, I think it already works. Um, yeah, so we, it really depends on the design, like how how you want the meta framework to be, how coupled you want the meta f- framework to be coupled to a certain tool. Like I think SvelteKit is pretty deeply coupled with Beat, uh, but Nuxt is obviously trying to be a bit more built tool agnostic.
1: Yeah, we had um, the, the Nuxt CTO actually on a previous episode and they definitely, it sounds like, want to, while well, trying to be less builder-centric, still keep up with what's happening there. Um, but I'd encourage folks to listen to that episode. We had a, a whole list of view questions we want to get to, but we're already uh, at time. So we, I think we'll have to do a part two. I would love, there's so many things I want to ask you about and talk about on, on the view side. Uh, just the efficient rendering and, and react server components are mm-hmm. not there, but we're going to have to save that for, I think, a part two, um, just to, to close us out, you know, mm-hmm. as it relates to Vite, what should folks look forward to in
0: the future? Um, for Vite, so things probably going to slow down a bit. We want to stabilize it. Uh, we are getting a lot of new users, a lot of issues. So, uh, there's a lot of just daily maintenance going on. So we want to probably slow down a little bit. I'm actually diverting a bit of my, most of my attention back to view because we have a lot of work here as well. Mm -hmm. So um, in the short term, uh, it's probably most just stabilization. Want to make sure we cut, you know, fix the edge cases. We're still discovering a lot of, because it's it's still really young, right? Uh, I think stabilization is going to be a major theme for the next few months. Uh, And then on top of that, we have some ideas on, uh, you know, taking the performance even further. And once ES builds application bundling fully stabilizes, we hope we can, you know, uh, have a mode where you can actually build your application with the ES build directly. So that would make the build also ten times, twenty times faster. Um, so hopefully that can happen. Um, but for now, it's mostly making sure everything. Uh, there, there will be a. Because our long-term eventual goal is like, especially for new Vue projects, we want users Mm -hmm. to start with VEAT because it's just uh, a much lighter and faster experience. Uh, We don't want to intimidate users, especially beginners like, oh, like, you know, people make enough jokes about modern front-end development being so heavy. (laughs) You know, we want to just dial it down a little bit. Uh, So, So,
1: and Vue 3 is starting... Is, is starting with VEAT out of the box, is that correct? Or not
0: So yet? we want to, uh, we are probably going to update our like documentation and everything later this year. So the initial okay. introductory workflow, especially if people want to start with the tooling route is just, you know, install VEAT and you can get a project running in no time. Okay. Um,
1: and then what's the best way for people to keep up with VEAT and to follow you online?
0: Um, so my Twitter handle is uh, YouYushi, we can probably edit this in, uh, Y-O-U-Y-U-X-I. Uh, and then if you want to follow Vite, the uh, Twitter account is at Vite underscore JS. Unfortunately, both Vite Veet and Vite are already occupied, so we had to go with the underscore.
1: But before um, we close out, how did yeah. you pick the name Vite, actually? Uh vite
0: is the French word for fast. Yeah. Ah. Okay. That makes Just perfect. like view is the French, vu is the French word for view. So. Ah. Uh,
1: okay. Cool. Uh, that makes a ton of sense. Thank you. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, thank you again for for joining uh, JavaScript Jam, and we look forward to having you in uh, a part two, and we'll we'll talk about view.
0: Yeah. Sure. Awesome. Thanks Very a lot, Evan. Cool.